Section thirty-eight of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume Eight. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume Eight, by Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton, eighteen twenty-one to eighteen ninety. Section thirty-eight when it was the eight hundred and eighty-third night she said it hath reached me o auspicious king that nur al-din and miriam the girdle-girl rose forthwith and donned her clothes and ornaments but this was grievous to nur al-din and his gladness was troubled the tears streamed from his eyes and he recited these couplets i ceased not to kiss that cheek with budding roses dight and eyes downcast and bit the same with most emphatic bite until we were in gloria and lay him down the spy and sank his eyes within his brain declining further sight and struck the gongs as they that had the charge of them were like moisin crying duty prayers in allah's book indite then rose she up right hastily and donned the dress she doffed sore fearing lest a shooting star upon our heads alight and cried o wish and will of me o end of all my hopes behold the morning comes to us in brightest whitest light i swear if but one day of rule were given to my life and i were made an emperor of majesty and might adown i'd break the buttresses of churches one and all and by their slaughter rid the earth of every shaveling white then the lady miriam pressed him to her bosom and kissed his cheek and asked him o nur al-din how long hast thou been in this town seven days hast thou walked about in it and dost thou know its ways and issues and its sea-gates and land-gates yes knowest thou the way to the offertory chest of the church yes since thou knowest all this as soon as the first third of the coming night is over go to the offertory chest and take thence what thou wishest and willest then open the door that giveth upon the tunnel leading to the sea and go down to the harbour where thou wilt find a little ship and ten men therein and when the race shall see thee he will put out his hand to thee give him thy hand and he will take thee up into the ship and do thou wait there till i come to thee but where and have a care lest sleep overtake thee in this night or thou wilt repent whenas repentance shall avail thee naught then the princess farewelled him and going forth from nur al-din aroused from sleep her women and the rest of the damsels with whom she betook herself to the church door and knocked whereupon the ancient dame opened to her and she went forth and found the knights and varlets standing without they brought her a dapple she-mule and she mounted whereupon they raised over her head a canopy with curtains of silk and the knights took hold of the mule's halter then the guards encompassed her about drawn brand in hand and fared on with her followed by her till they brought her to the palace of the king her father meanwhile nur al-din abode concealed behind the curtain under cover of which miriam and he had passed the night till it was broad day when the main door was opened and the church became full of people then he mingled with the folk and accosted the old prioress the guardian of the shrine who said to him where didst thou lie last night said he in the town as thou badest me quoth she o my son thou hast done the right thing for hadst thou knighted in the church she had slain thee on the foulest wise and quoth he praise be allah who hath delivered me from the evil of this night then he busied himself with the service of the church and ceased not busying till day departed and night with darkness starkened 
when he arose and opened the offertory chest and took thence of jewels whatso was light of weight and weighty of worth then he tarried till the first watch of the night was past when he made his way to the postern of the tunnel and opening it went forth calling on allah for protection and seized not Farinon until after finding and opening the door he came to the sea here he discovered the vessel moored to the shore near the gate and her skipper a tall old man of comely aspect with long beard standing in the waist his ten men being ranged before him nur al-din gave him his hand as miriam had bidden him and the captain took it and pulling him on board of the ship cried out to his crew saying cast off the moorings and put out to sea with us ere daybreak said one of the ten o my lord the captain how shall we put out now when the king hath notified us that to-morrow he will embark in this ship and go round about the sea being fearful for his daughter miriam from the moslem thieves but the race cried out at them saying woe to you o accursed dare you gainsay me and bandy words with me so saying the old captain bared his blade and with it dealt the sailor who had spoken a thrust in the throat that the steel came out gleaming from his nape and quoth another of the sailors what hath our comrade done of crime that thou shouldst cut his throat thereupon the captain clapped hand to sword and smote off the speaker's head nor did he leave smiting the rest of the sailors till he had slain them all one after other and cast the ten bodies ashore then he turned to nur al-din and cried out at him with a terrible great cry that made him tremble saying go down and pull up the mooring stake nur al-din feared lest he should strike him also with the sword so he sprang up and leapt ashore and pulling up the stake jumped aboard again swiftlier than the dazzling leaven the captain ceased not to bid him do this and do that and tack and wear hither and thither and look at the stars and nur al-din did all that he bade him with a heart a-quaking for affright whilst he himself spread the sails and the ship fared with the twain into the dashing sea swollen with clashing billows and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say when it was the eight hundred and eighty-fourth night she continued it hath reached me o auspicious king that when the old skipper had made sail he drave the ship aided by nur al-din into the dashing sea before a favouring gale meanwhile nur al-din held on to the tackle immersed in deep thought and drowned in the sea of solicitude knowing not what was hidden for him in the future and whenever he looked at the captain his heart quaked and he knew not whither the race went with him he abode thus preoccupied with care and doubt till it was high day when he looked at the skipper and saw him take hold of his long beard and pull at it whereupon it came off in his hand and nur al-din examining it saw that it was but a false beard glued on so he straightly considered that same race and behold it was the princess miriam his mistress and the dearling of his heart who had contrived to waylay the captain and slay him and skinned off his beard which she had stuck onto her own face at this nur al-din was transported for joy and his breast broadened and he marvelled at her prowess and the stoutness of her heart and said to her welcome o my hope and my desire and the end of mine every wish then love and gladness agitated him and he made sure of winning to his hopes and his expectancy wherefore he broke out into song and chanted these couplets to all who unknown my love for the may from whom fate disjoins me o say i pray ask my kith and kin of my love that i in sweetens my verses to lovely lay for the loss of the tribesmen my life o'er sway their names when named heal all malady cure and chase from heart every pain i dree 
and my longings for love reach so high degree that my sprite is maddened each morn i see and am grown of the crowd to be saw and say no blame in them will i ever espy no nor aught of solace sans them decry your love hath shot me with pine and i bear in heart a flame that shall never die but fire my liver with fiery ray all folk my sickness for marvel score that in darkest night i wake evermore what ails them to torture this heart forlore and deem right for loving my blood twelt poor and yet how justly unjust are they would i what who twas could obtain of you to wrong a youth who's so fain of you by my life and by him who made men of you and the spy tell aught i complain of you he lies by allah in foulest way may the lord my sickness never dispel nor ever my heart of its pains be well what day i regret that in love i fell or laud any land but wherein ye dwell wring my heart and ye will or make glad and gay i have vitals shall ever be true to you though racked by the rigours not new to you ere this wrong and this right i but sue to you do what you will to thrall who to you shall ne'er grudge his life at your feet to lay when nur al-din ceased to sing the princess Miriam marvelled at his song and thanked him therefore saying whoso's case is thus it behoveth him to walk the ways of men and never do the deeds of curs and cowards now she was stout of heart and cunning in the sailing of ships over the salt sea and she knew all the winds and their shiftings and every course of the main so nur al-din said o my lady hadst thou prolonged this case on me i had surely died for stress of affright and chagrin more by token of the fire of passion and love-longing and the cruel pangs of separation she laughed at his speech and rising without stay or delay brought out somewhat of food and liquor and they ate and drank and enjoyed themselves and made merry then she drew forth rubies and other gems and precious stones and costly trinkets of gold and silver and all manner of things of price light of weight and weighty of worth which she had taken from the palace of her sire and his treasuries and displayed them to nur al-din who rejoiced therein with joy exceeding all this while the wind blew fair for them and merrily sailed the ship nor ceased sailing till they drew near the city of alexandria and sighted its landmarks old and new and pompey's pillar when they made the port nur al-din landed forthright and securing the ship to one of the fulling stones took somewhat of the treasures that miriam had brought with her and said to her o oh, my lady tarry in the ship against i return and carry thee up to the city in such way as i should wish and will quoth she it behoveth that this be done quickly for tardiness in affairs engendereth repentance quoth he there is no tardiness in me and leaving her in the ship went up into the city to the house of the druggist his father's old friend to borrow of his wife for miriam veil and mantilla and walking-boots and petticoat trousers after the usage of the women of alexandria unknowing that there was appointed to betide him of the shifts of time the father of wonders that which was far beyond his reckoning thus it befell nur al-din and miriam the girdle-girl but as regards her sire the king of france when he rose in the morning he missed his daughter and questioned her women and her eunuchs of her they answered o oh, our lord she went out last night to go to church and after that we have no tidings of her but as the king talked with them behold there arose so great a clamour of cries below the palace that the place rang thereto and he said what may be the news the folk replied o king we have found ten men slain on the seashore and the royal yacht is missing 
moreover we saw the postern of the church which giveth upon the tunnel leading to the sea wide open and the moslem prisoner who served in the church is missing quoth the king and my ship be lost without doubt or dispute and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased saying her permitted say when it was the eight hundred and eighty-fifth night she pursued it hath reached me o auspicious king that when the king of france missed his daughter and they brought him tidings of her saying thy yacht is lost and he replied and the craft be lost without dispute or doubt my daughter is in it so he summoned without stay or delay the captain of the port and cried out at him saying by the virtue of the messiah and the faith which is no liar except thou and thy fighting men overtake my ship forthright and bring it back to me with those who are therein i will do thee die the foulest of deaths and make a terrible example of thee thereupon the captain went out from before him trembling and betook himself to the ancient dame of the church to whom said he heardest thou aught from the captain that was with thee anent his native land and what countryman he was and she answered he used to say i come from the town of alexandria when the captain heard the old woman's words he returned forthright to the port and cried out to the sailors make ready and set sail so they did his bidding and straightway putting out to sea fared night and day till they sighted the city of alexandria at the very time when nur al-din landed leaving the princess in the ship they soon espied the royal yacht and knew her so they moored their own vessel at a distance therefrom and putting off in a little frigate they had with them which drew but two cubits of water and in which were an hundred fighting men amongst them the one-eyed wazir for that he was a stubborn tyrant and a froward devil and a wily thief none could avail against his craft as he were abu mohammed al-batal they ceased not rowing till they reached the bark and boarding her all at once found none therein save the princess miriam so they took her and the ship and returning to their own vessel after they had landed and waited a long while set sail forthright for the land of the franks having accomplished their errand without a fight or even drawing a sword the wind blew fair for them and they sailed on without ceasing and with all diligence till they reached the city of france and landing with the princess miriam carried her to her father who received her seated on the throne of his kingship as soon as he saw her he said to her woe to thee o traitress what ailed thee to leave the faith of thy fathers and forefathers and the safeguard of the messiah on whom is our reliance and follow after the faith of the vagrants to wit the faith of all islam which arose with the sword against the cross and the images replied miriam i am not at fault i went out by night to the church to visit the lady mary and seek a blessing of her when there fell upon me unawares a band of moslem robbers who gagged me and bound me fast and carrying me on board the bark set sail with me for their own country however i beguiled them and talked with them of their religion till they loosed my bonds and ere i knew it thy men overtook me and delivered me and by the virtue of the messiah and the faith which is no liar and the cross and the crucified thereon i rejoiced with joy exceeding in my release from them and my bosom broadened and i was glad for my deliverance from the bondage of the moslems rejoined the king thou liest o whore o adulteress by the virtue of that which is revealed of prohibition and permission in the manifest evangel i will assuredly do thee die by the foulest of deaths and make thee the vilest of examples did it not suffice thee to do as thou didst the first time and put off thy lies upon us but thou must return upon us with thy deceitful inventions thereupon the king bade kill her and crucify her over the palace gate 
but at that moment the one-eyed wazir who had long been enamoured of the princess came in to him and said ho king slay her not but give her to me to wife and i will watch over her with the utmost warding nor will i go in unto her till i have built her a palace of solid stone exceeding high of foundation so no thieves may avail to climb up to its terrace roof and when i have made an end of building it i will sacrifice thirty moslems before the gate thereof as an expiatory offering to the messiah for myself and for her the king granted his request and bade the priests and monks and patriarchs marry the princess to him so they did his bidding whereupon he bade set about building a strong and lofty palace befitting her rank and the workmen fell to work upon it on this wise it betided the princess miriam and her sire and the one-eyed wazir but as regards nur al-din when he came back with the petticoat trousers and mantilla and walking-boots and all the attire of alexandrian women which he had borrowed of the druggist's wife he found the air void and the fain afar and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say end of section thirty eight recorded by sylvia m b in washington state